We're going to be in John chapter 10 this morning, if you'll find that in your Bible, John chapter 10. Over the last couple of Sundays, um, I've brought a couple of lessons, messages on the shepherd and the sheep. First one was just a general message on the shepherd and sheep relationship. Last Sunday night was on the care of the good shepherd. And so we'll kind of continue with that today, but I also want to focus on the sacrifice of the good shepherd. Sure good to see you today. Good to have guests with us. Good to be in the Lord's house. And um, I'm very thrilled today just to be here. John chapter 10, if you're able to stand, let's stand for the reading of the scripture and then we'll have another prayer together. And I want to begin reading in verse 11. John chapter 10 and verse 11, where Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth and the wolf catches them and scattereth the sheep the hireling fleeth because he is an hireling and careth not for the sheep I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and I am known of mine as the father knoweth me even so know I the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. They shall hear my voice. And there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for this special time that we have to assemble together. Lord, to sing praises about you and sing praises to you. And sing praises with one another. And we thank you that we can open up the Bible today and read the Bible and seek to understand it and apply it to our life. We pray today that, Lord, you would meet with us during this time of studying. Lord, that you'd speak to our hearts. Help us to see ourselves better. Help us to see you better. And I pray today there are those here who are not yet part of that fold that you're putting together, not yet your sheep, that today they would hear your voice and they would follow you and they'd respond to the gospel, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. As I said last Sunday evening, uh, we just kind of looked at this general idea, the fact that the good shepherd cares for the sheep. We were re Last Sunday evening, we're in the first part of John chapter 10, and just let me briefly say that this, this teaching of Jesus followed 
uh, really sort of an expose in, in John chapter 8 and 9 where Jesus was exposing uh, the religious leaders as being uh, thieves and robbers and hirelings but not true shepherds and then he presents himself in this picture of a true shepherd the good shepherd and so I want us just to think about today the, this, this matter of the shepherd and the sheep and we have a few um, uh, pictures just I, random pictures of sheep and shepherds I'd like to just look at those briefly if we could and because um, I want to picture this relationship of a, a shepherd with the sheep so um, the guys are kind of working on that and so are they going to work yeah we've had some problems with not with the guys but with our <laughs> technology so here's just a picture again I want you to visualize we're talking about a sheep and a shepherd visualize the relationship let's look at another one and um, by the way notice the hat that that's kind of a trending hat actually we saw a lot of those in Israel when we were seeing shepherds out among the sheep how about another one there again you see the shepherd out there in this barren area trying to find something for the sheep to eat how about another one I think this will be the last one once again the shepherd and the sheep thank you guys I think when we, we read things sometimes we, we don't visualize what it really we're talking about a sheep and shepherd uh, the shepherd and really there's nothing glamorous about that life you know in your mind you may think it's a glamorous life but if you examine it there's nothing glamorous about that it's a very rugged life it's a very lonely life and comes sometimes a very dangerous life if the shepherd is not doing his job sheep can be scattered sheep can be attacked sheep can make own, their own foolish mistakes predators can claim the life of a, a one of the sheep it's really the job of a man's man you know I don't know that um, I don't know that I would be cut out for it I wonder how many men would really be cut out for the life of a shepherd It's a very lowly occupation in Bible times you may remember uh, when Joseph had been sold into slavery and Joseph was was uh, allowed to really uh, make a place for Jacob and his family moving to Egypt this is what it said about the the Egyptian view of shepherds it says every shepherd is an abomination under the Egyptians they were hated they were despised a despicable trade and so it was a messy job I'm talking you out of it some of you are already thinking about it. you want to be a shepherd but I'm talking you out of it, it was a it was a very dirty job low pay high risk that was the kind of job that it was it's interesting to me and we'll cover this some more in future lessons but some of the Bible's most outstanding leaders were first shepherds of course David is the most famous shepherd of the Bible but Moses himself was a shepherd Abraham was a shepherd and the Bible we're not imagining this the Bible actually says this that they learned to shepherd people by shepherding sheep this it says this about David I took thee from the sheep coat from following the sheep to be ruler over my people over Israel learning to shepherd sheep might prepare you to shepherd people so the good shepherd the, 
The good shepherd cares for his sheep. As I said earlier, it's contrast to hirelings, which are just hired hands. The sheep don't belong to them. They just are out there for the money. Thieves and robbers use the sheep. And by the way, just a um, sort of anecdotal thing, really, I think false shepherds in our lifetime, shepherds who really weren't concerned about the sheep, but were just concerned about benefiting from the sheep, have sort of caused a diminishing trust in spiritual leadership because of that. But true shepherds, even though they're human and they make mistakes, true shepherds care for the flock. So the good shepherd cares for the sheep, and that's very clear. Now, as we really get into the lesson today in John chapter 10, that their love is seen in their sacrifice. The true shepherd, the good shepherd, his love is seen in his sacrifice. Look with me again where we read a moment ago in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Verse 15, it says, in the latter part of verse 15, I lay down my life. Jesus said this. I lay down my life for the sheep. In verse 17, he said, I lay down my life that I may take it again. In verse 18, I lay it down of myself. There's a real indication of a true shepherd. They sacrifice, they make sacrifices for the sheep. There always will be a cost in shepherding. You know, it doesn't really cost anything to be a sheep. Right? Jesus accepted us. He's the shepherd. He accepted us into the flock. And it doesn't cost anything to be a sheep. But it does cost something to be a shepherd. The shepherd cares for the sheep. The shepherd feeds the sheep. The sheep just receive the blessing, generally speaking. They receive the benefits. But if you're going to be a shepherd, it'll cost you. It always costs something to be a shepherd. It costs time to be a shepherd. It costs inconvenience to be a shepherd. It sometimes costs emotional hurt to be a shepherd. Every parent, ask any parent and ask any pastor and ask any spiritual leader if you can be a shepherd without it costing you anything. And the answer is no. Whether you're a parent shepherding your children or whether you're a ministry leader shepherding people it costs something to be a shepherd it requires something to be a shepherd David that great example of a shepherd once killed a bear and a lion because a lamb was taken out of the flock he risked his own life he risked his own safety and when he went to Saul the first king of Israel when David went to Saul he said, I went after him, talking about these animals. I went after or, or the lamb, really. I went after him and smote the animal and delivered the lamb from his mouth. Imagine that. This is not, this is not superheroes. These are Bible people that were real people and real men. He went and took a lamb out of the mouth of a lion. That's something, isn't it? But you know what? It costs something to be a shepherd. Shepherding cost. If you take, take any ministry of the church, which I believe the church should be in a shepherding ministry. 
You know, let's say a person gets involved in bus ministry. And you don't just go down the road with your bus and just park it on a corner and expect them all just to jump on board and come. And No, it costs something. You've got to visit them. You've got to care for them. You've got you to love them. You, they all, sometimes call you at inconvenient times. I'm just saying in the same way about ministering in the nursing home. Our church has nursing home ministry in three different nursing homes every Sunday. And you prepare lessons and you go in there to help them, but you've got you've to give a part of yourself to that. And sometimes you see them hurt and you know that they're lonely and sometimes the Lord takes some away. And if you care about them, it matters to you. I think it's important to understand this whole matter of shepherding people. You know, we, our church has had historically a Friday night addiction recovery program, addiction encouraging people with struggles with various addictions and we don't have it now but we need to have one and one of the reasons I think we don't have more things like that is because it costs something to have it it does cost something you've got to care about people and want to give up some of your time and and I'm going to get back to John chapter 10 in a moment the whole point I want to make is though shepherding costs us something if you're going to be in any ministry of the church, if you're going to be in a, a, even an usher, a greeter, if you're going to be a Sunday school teacher, if you're going to be involved in outreach, if you're going to try to help people, it's going to cost something. But I, I just want to recommend to you today that the good shepherd knows more about sacrifice than any of us do because he gave his life for us. He didn't just give a few moments of his time. He gave his life for us. Jesus did not die as a martyr. He died as a willing substitute. It still humbles me today to know that God would let his son die for me. It costs something to be a shepherd. The good shepherd, it said in verse um, 15... Jesus said, I lay down my life for the sheep. In verse 11, he says, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. Now that's such a, that is, you know, normally we would think the shepherd's in charge, the shepherd's the master, the shepherd's the leader, these sheep, these sheep need help, these sheep are are." are prone to making mistakes and and if and if they if worse comes to worse we'll just butcher the lamb <laughs> right but we don't picture the shepherd giving his life for the lamb but that's what that's what Jesus did Jesus gave his life for us Jesus said, I have the power to lay it down. Nobody's making me do this. He said at one point, don't you realize I could call thousands of angels and they could rescue from me, me from this? Any one of us, every one of us, facing what he faced, I'm sure would have run. We would have pulled away. But Jesus willingly gave his life. The shepherd gave his life. He didn't just give a portion of his life. He gave his life. He said, I have the power to lay it down. He voluntarily 
gave his life for us on the cross. The good shepherd gave his life as a sacrifice for your sins. A sacrifice for your sins. Not just everybody's sins, your sins. Your rebellion, your pride, your disobedience, mine, every sin I've ever, every wicked thought I've ever had, every arrogant thought I've ever had. Jesus, Jesus died for my sins. And he died for your sins. It's a mystery to me how people can say they believe that and it doesn't impact their life. The gospel changes everything. It changes the way we think. It changes the way we live. It changes our priorities. It changes our value system because Jesus gave his life for us. And he said some things here. He said a lot of things here that were probably hard to accept but in verse 16 he said this I hope you have your Bible still open there in verse 16 and other sheep I have Jesus said which are not of this fold them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd no doubt he's talking there about the Gentiles the Gentile nations the Jews were very proud people, very patriotic people, very, you know, very inclusive. They, they believed the Messiah would come for, for them, but they didn't really understand that the gospel would be for the whole world. And so Jesus said his love was not just for the Israelites. His, his, his love was for other sheep, the Gentile nations. This would not be acceptable to most Jews. You may not know that, but they would not... They would not be in favor of that because they always looked upon themselves as being exalted and others as being dogs, not really worthy of attention. But the good shepherd gave his life for all sheep. Amen. That's what the Great Commission is about. That's why we care about others because Jesus cares about them. So he is the good shepherd. And those of us who are saved, we're his sheep. Isn't that an amazing thing? Sheep find great comfort in the shepherd's love because the sheep belong to the shepherd. Look in verse 14. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. Notice he said, my, they're my sheep. They're my sheep. Look in verse 27. We didn't read that verse earlier. Verse 27. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. See, Jesus' sheep belong to him. He's our shepherd. That's why David could say in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus would say about us, those are my sheep. That's something, isn't it? Those sheep belong to me. You say, well, how is that possible? Because he purchased us. Him giving his life was purchasing us. It was redeeming us. He purchased us not with silver and gold, but with his own blood. He purchased us. He paid the price for our redemption. He's our shepherd. And if you're saved today, no matter how long you've been saved and no longer what your physical age is, if you're saved, truly born again, you're one of his sheep. You belong to the shepherd. Verse 14, I want to look at it again. He says, I'm the good shepherd and know my sheep. The shepherd knows his sheep. 
Last week we read verse 3. Let's look at that quickly together. Verse 3 of the same chapter. To him, talking about to the good shepherd, to him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. This, these shepherds would actually name. You, you know, maybe you've got a, you, you, maybe you've named your pets. You've got a dog that you've named, or a cat you named Worthless, or something. You've got. <laughs> we, but Jesus, she, these shepherds, shepherds would call their sheep by name, and that's a. We're talking about a personal relationship. We're His sheep, and He knows us personally. He cares about us. He know. He knows our thoughts. He knows our fears. He knows our frustrations. He knows our hurts. He knows our needs. Our shepherd intimately, personally knows his sheep. It's good to know. There's a real contrast here. I thought about this in studying this passage. Hold your finger here in John 10 and let's go over to the gospel of uh, Matthew for just a moment and then we'll come back to John 10 but go to Matthew chapter 7 and there's a a time in the future that Jesus talks about he's talking about how um, how we know people by their fruits and I'm not going to read all that passage but he said you can know people by their fruit and in John, uh, Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, notice this, he says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord. Now keep, please pay close attention to this. Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works? This is going to happen one day. People are going to say that to Jesus. Lord, we, we did these things for you. We served you. I preached. Did these various things. And then verse 23, Jesus said, And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. You know, if, you, if we do works, if we do works that are not done in his name and done in him, those works, even though they're good things, benevolent things, those things are iniquitous. They're, not, they're sinful. They're not good because, because he's not the one that's doing them in us and through us. The thing I want to emphasize in verse 23 where he says, I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, I never knew you. Now that doesn't mean that Jesus never knew their address or never knew where they lived or never knew what, anything about them. It means Jesus didn't have a personal relationship with them. Does Jesus know you? I know, I, I believe the Bible, I believe the Bible when it says that he knows the hairs on our head. He knows our thoughts afar off. He sees our down sittings and our uprisings. He, see, he saw you sit down in that chair today. 
And when you stand up, he'll see you stand up. But that doesn't mean he knows you personally, intimately. That doesn't mean he has a relationship with you. So Jesus knows. That's what he said more than once in John 10. I know my sheep. I'm related to my sheep. I'm intimately involved in their life. But he said there are going to be people one day that will say, but I sang in the choir and I, I went to the nursing home and I gave out tracts and I, I even gave my testimony or preached some. But he's going to say, I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. Go back to John chapter 10. The shepherd knows his sheep. That'd be a good question today to ask yourself as we sit here, as we move on through this message. Be a good question to ask yourself, Lord, say it to the Lord, do you know me? Do we have a relationship together? Do we really have a relationship? Wouldn't it be a pitiful thing to go through life and go to church and sit in church services and sing songs and, and come to the end of your life and realize, you know, I, never, I didn't even have a relationship with God. The sheep belong to the shepherd. Jesus said, my sheep, these are my sheep. Look, look in verse 14 of John chapter 10. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep. And, notice this, am known of mine. I know my sheep and I've known, I am known of my sheep. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. The shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep know the shepherd. This is a personal relationship. This is our privilege this is our privilege. Listen to me. Christianity is not just saying some words and praying a prayer and then going on and living as though nothing ever happened. It is an introduction of a real relationship between a person and his Savior. The shepherd knows the sheep and the sheep know the shepherd. This is our privilege. It's also our pursuit. We want to know him. We want to know him. This was Paul's passion. This was brought up in a message fairly recently. I don't remember which one it was. It wasn't, I know it wasn't me that preached it, but someone else preached it, maybe Pastor Weiss, maybe it was in Sunday school, but where in that great passage in Philippians where Paul said, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. I count everything in my life to be worth nothing compared to knowing the Lord, knowing Him, having a relationship with Him, growing in Him, knowing Him better. We need a personal relationship with Him. And we need a growing relationship with Him. If you had to sit down today and take a piece of paper and write on this piece of paper in true Completely honest words. This, is, this describes my personal relationship with God. I know, I'm, I know that He knows me and He works in my life and I've seen Him answer my prayers and He's helped me in difficult times. I mean, can you actually say that? I have a relationship with Him. 
well-known preacher of the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon, he said that sheep have two distinguishing characteristics. They're both found in this text. Two distinguishing characteristics. There's what he called the ear mark and the hoof mark. Two distinguishing characteristics. First of all, the sheep hear the shepherd's voice. We saw that in verse 3. We read it a moment ago. The sheep hear his voice. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice. Now before you jump to a conclusion, we're not talking about an audible voice. I've never heard God's voice. When anybody says they have, I'm a little bit suspect of. Well, how do you hear his voice if it's not an audible voice? They hear him spiritually. They hear him in their heart. When Jesus was teaching and preaching in his ministry, lots of people heard his voice. Thousands at a time heard his physical voice, but not in their heart. Jesus even said to people, you know, you say these things with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. It's one thing to hear the voice of the preacher. It's another thing to hear that inner voice of the Lord speaking to you through the word of God that's being preached. And I've said this a lot of times. Others have said it. It's true. Sometimes you'll hear a sermon and, and it's, just the, it's just a human voice speaking, but what they're speaking is God's truth and it, and it speaks to your heart. It might have well been an audible voice. It might have well been something that could be heard in a physical way because it was so real. The, you know, the Bible speaks about people. I was re refreshing my mind this morning on some of this. The Bible speaks about people who have ears to hear but cannot hear. They, they can hear physically, but they can't hear spiritually. So that's the earmark. Two characteristics of sheep. First is the earmark. They hear the voice of the shepherd. The second characteristic is they follow the shepherd's lead. They follow willingly. It said there in verse 3, to him the porter openeth and the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and he leadeth them out. In verse 4, and when he putteth forth his own Sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him. The sheep follow him. Verse 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Here's a characteristic of a real sheep. They hear the voice of the shepherd, and they follow the shepherd. They follow the shepherd. That's not difficult, is it? I mean, a five-year-old, a kindergarten could understand this. The shepherd goes before the sheep, he leads the sheep, and they follow him. You say, well, how do you follow him? How does he speak to you? He speaks to us through his word and by his spirit, and we understand his truth, and by, by grace we follow him. I, the sheep follow him. You remember that hymn we sing sometimes? He leadeth me. He, he leadeth me, O blessed thought, that God himself could lead us. Paul was very clear in Romans about this. 
That if any man is not led by the Spirit of God, they're none of his. They're not, they don't belong. I didn't make this up. This is Bible. If people aren't being led by the Spirit of God, they don't belong to Him. It's just the Bible. Look what it says in verse 5. Jesus said, And a stranger, just talking about true sheep, and a stranger they will not follow, but will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. They, true sheep won't follow strangers. That's an interesting statement to consider, really. Sheep want to follow the shepherd. Not false teachers, not strangers. True sheep. Jesus said true sheep. Now this is very, this is a really a, 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 some, a hard pill to swallow maybe. True sheep, Jesus said, will not follow strangers. They recognize the truth. They hear the voice of the shepherd. So I'm not the judge, you're not the judge. God's, God is the ultimate judge, but if a person follows, it finds it easier to follow false teachers than to follow truth, you gotta ask, are they really a sheep? Sheep want to follow the shepherd. If you're listening to my voice today and you say you're a sheep and you do not want to follow the shepherd, you've got a serious problem. Sometimes, sometimes people resist, you know, parental rules or church rules. Think we're trying to try to teach people to follow the Lord. This is what God says, and those. And you know what? Person say, "Well, I'm not. I'm old enough. I don't have to follow my parents." But if you're saved, you ought to be following the shepherd. Amen. His sheep follow him. They hear his voice and they follow him. Look at it, look at it, we're not going to turn to it today, but look at incidents in the Bible. The gathering demoniac, full of devils, full of devils. People are afraid of him, hiding from him, a dangerous man. But Jesus saved him, and the first thing he got, did, he got in the boat and says, I'm going with you. Two men on the roadside, begging, blind, can't, can't see a thing, totally blind. Jesus Heal them. They didn't say, I'm going to go talk to all my relatives and show them what happened. I'm going to go, I want to see a son. No, they said they began immediately to follow Jesus. Why? Because sheep want to follow the shepherd. None of us are perfect. I'm not saying, I know I'm not. None of us are, but Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me. Let's look at those two verses in verse 27 and 28 and we'll wrap this up. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life. They shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. I'm telling you, if you're one of his sheep, he's your shepherd and he will keep you to the end. And we rejoice in that. We ought to rejoice in that. Verse 29, my father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. Nobody, once you're saved, you can't do anything to unsave yourself. You might say, well, you know, I could, I could make that choice. No, he says no man is able to pluck him out of my father's hand. If you're a man, you can't even pluck yourself out. We like to rejoice in that we ought to, but please hear me. The same 
sentence, the same paragraph where Jesus said that. He said, this is how you know my sheep. They hear my voice and they follow me. They follow me. Aren't you glad for all that Jesus has done for us today? He gave his life for the sheep. He gave his life. I don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. He gave his life for us. Are you one of his sheep? If you're one of his sheep, let's just thank him. The good shepherd that he gave his life for the sheep. Are you one of his sheep? Do you have those marks in your life? Do you hear his voice? Do you follow him? We heard about this in Sunday school. What a good Sunday school lesson. Bible study here this morning at 10 o'clock in here. It's very true. When he's in charge of our life, it's going to show up everywhere. It's going to show up in our home, show up on the job, show up among our friends. You know why? Because it's just the way it is. The people that know you best, your friends, your people that follow you on Facebook, people where you work, would they say about you, I know he's a follower of Jesus. It's just, you can't hide it. It's just, it's obvious. It ought to be true of us. We're, we're following the shepherd. He's the door. We just covered that last Sunday, two weeks. He's the door. Can't use a good illustration here about a door into a room because there's so many doors here. But there's only one door to eternal life. And that's Jesus. And if you're going to go to heaven, you've got to go through the door. Amen? And if you're not saved today, he died for you. The good shepherd gave his life for you. And for you to be saved, you have to go through the door. That's what Jesus said. You have to go through the door. And if you're here today and you don't know that you've done that, there's nothing more important in life for you to know or do than that. And it's not, it's not complicated, but sometimes we, you know, we need some direction and help, and we're here to help you with that. If you're here today and you're not sure you're saved, you don't know that you've been born again, I'll be standing right here in a few moments. There'll be some music playing. People will be praying. You come right to me and say, I'm really not sure. I'm not sure I've ever really heard his voice. I can't say I follow him. I'm not sure. And if you've never felt like he's directed you, spoke to your heart, spoke to you the word of God, if you never felt like he changed your life, you have reason to question, do I know him? Right? Absolutely. But the good news is he didn't just come for a few sheep. He came for sheep all over the world. He came for you. You ought to come to him today.